people out there in podcast land my name is paul workman and it is your boy trav and zach mccoy is off traveling the wilderness this week <laughs> yes he is. we are your oscar grouches welcome back to the oscar Rusty podcast thursday show acting direct show where we take a look at the filmographies of oscar winning actors who decided to take a turn behind the camera what are we watching this week trav we are watching the two Jake's a sequel follow-up to the famous film Chinatown, where Jack Nicholson is back up to his old ways. Oh, yes. Uh, One of the original Lega sequels. Mm, That is true. (laughs) I didn't think about that. (laughs) Came out the same year as Godfather 3, too. Well, I wonder, what was the first sequel? This definitely had to be one of the first ones where they went that long of a period of time before making a follow-up to it. You know, I'd, I'd really have to look into it, but uh, yeah, this, this, the 90s started doing a lot of that. But before we talk any more about that, is this your first time seeing it, the two Jakes? It is, and I do have a confession to make. I've never seen Chinatown either. Ah, yes. Uh, it is also my first time, shockingly, and I have seen Chinatown many times. I mean, it, it's one of those uh, top 100 greatest films of all time, right? Yeah, it's uh, definitely deserving as well. We will not have an Oscar breakdown because this was <laughs> not nominated for anything. So, let's just talk about this movie. Okay. I'll, I will say this. This is definitely a highlight in these Jack Nicholson films. That we've been watching. Yeah, I love Jack Nicholson as an actor. I've noticed, I don't think I'm a fan of 60 films. I think you guys have kind of picked up on that tomb. I don't think that yeah. decade is for me. Fair. You know, that beginning stages of new Hollywood and them trying to do new things. It doesn't resonate with me, mm-hmm. especially since I've started watching a lot of older films. Yeah. You know, 50s and 40s and saying, Wow, they really knew how to fucking make films back then. They are incredible. And I'm and a kind of yeah, I, th- through and through. I'm an old Hollywood guy. I right. am. I, I am unashamed to be an old Hollywood guy. But New Hollywood does. Uh, I, I don't know if it's just because I got into New Hollywood when I was younger. Uh, but that kind of like that kind of cinema verite is is something. I do enjoy, you know, and I, I started watching a lot of like French new wave and stuff like that when I was in high school. And uh, yeah, so this, this is just, I'm just a movie guy, just where I am. And I like the history of film and knowing where it was and where it's gone. And, you know, er, it, it, it feels like everything was just leading up to everything everywhere all at once at this point. <laughs> but I, I, I do just want to say, I just don't think Jack Nicholson is a He's such an incredible actor mm-hmm. that I'm not saying he should be on the level as a director, as acting, because that's just, you can't be, that's just unfair. 
but it's a real significant difference between him as a director it, and him it, as an actor, in my opinion. It, it does feel a little disappointing that <laughs> a man of his caliber right. wasn't making films as good as his performances in so much. I, I really enjoy his performance in this, though. Yeah, I think he's, you know, it's 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 a lot like it was with Going South, where he he is very concerned with how he is coming off in this film. We gotta, I gotta say my piece about that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So let's uh, let's let's pause this, okay? <laughs> because because <laughs> y'all did bring it up, you know, my my ranking on it. You know, obviously you broke the news to Zach. He didn't know. You know, and, and it's and it's one of those things. It's like I I said on the Everything Everywhere episode yesterday. It's I really wanted you on that episode so uh, that we could so that there would be yeah. like some dichotomy. So go on. Well, I really like the um mayor. What's her name? Mary. Uh, I don't know. Steam Virgin. Okay, I was going to say, I don't even know who she is, you know, but gorgeous woman. I -hmm. thought she was really good. Uh, I thought Jack Nicholson was good. Here, My problem with going south, and, you know, Zach brought up the whole, maybe he thought he raped her. And, you know, you kind of put it into perspective. Right. I never felt like he raped her neither. But I will say, throughout the movie, he gave off rapey vibes. You know what I I mean? very creepy i don't disagree with that which is why i think it's so easy to to have taken that away from that scene if if i would have watched it in 1978 or it came out in 78 right right if if i would have watched in 78 maybe i wouldn't have thought anything of it because maybe that was the norm for movies back then and how male characters interacted with female characters right i mean they're watching it now especially knowing things about Jack Nicholson where he, he can be kind of creepy and make people feel uncomfortable. It felt a little too close to home. And I was like, Oh, Jack, this ain't really a good look for you right now. Right. And it really just kind of took me out the movie. And then, you know, the comedy just didn't really do anything for me per se, but I do agree. I think it was Zach who said it the latter half of the film is much more interesting than the beginning of the film. Yeah. I will say that I warmed up on the film because bro, it was going to get like a one. It was going to get like a one star. I was not feeling it. I warmed up to it a little bit, but not enough to say that's a good Jack Nicholson film, you know? So yeah, that was kind of my thought process on it. I just wasn't really that big on it, to be honest with you. And not everything's that. for everyone. No, not everything's for everyone. But I'll tell you what, the two Jakes, I really enjoyed. I, I really enjoyed this film. I do understand if this is a follow-up to Chinatown and people go into it saying, oh my God, we're getting a sequel to Chinatown. I've never seen Chinatown, but I guess I could understand the disappointment in it. And and there's a lot of the the issue that... Hey, I always say this with the Godfather part three, it it's, it's a good movie that unfortunately just has, has the title of the Godfather. Right. Because it's the comparisons are going to be very easy and unfortunate because not only do you have Jack back in the role, you have Robert town who wrote Chinatown. Right. Writing this and Robert Evans 
the mega producer from Paramount Pictures, mm-hmm. is back behind this film. Like, there's too many big names returning for like the expectations. So when Chinatown's as good as it is, and the expectations are going to be through the roof, and I think that's kind of why I enjoyed the movie more than I thought I would, because mm-hmm. this being my first time watching it, I was expecting absolute shit because that's all I've ever heard about this film. And I think it's fine. I think it's a serviceable film and I had a good time watching it. I do. I think the thing that has going for it versus Godfather part three is the word Chinatown like is not in the film title. So it's like, I didn't even know if, if Wikipedia wasn't a thing and I wasn't looking into it, I would never know that this was a C. I don't know these characters, you know? So right. I'm just watching it as its own thing, the two Jakes. And I feel like a lot of people in 1990 probably went into it watching it as its own thing and maybe right. hadn't seen Chinatown. I don't know. But Boston. I feel like if you look at it that way, you know, you're going to enjoy yourself a little bit more because I really enjoyed this film and I really enjoyed Meg Tilly. Oh, she's incredible in this film. She is so good in this. And I know her and Jennifer Tilly get shit on. I mean, just to kind of put it in perspective. Garbage. But absolutely garbage. They're good. I'm not saying they're Oscar-winning actresses or anything like that. But I feel like when you put them in the right role and you know what to do with them, they're really, really good at that thing that they're doing. Yeah, I've always always been a big fan of Tilly. I love Bound, and I love... Oh, yeah, Bound... I was super late to Bound. Um, just in the past two years, I believe you're the one that put me on the Bound. I never probably I've been talking about it on this podcast it. for a while. Um, <laughs> that being the Wachowskis' first film, so mm-hmm. I didn't even know about it. But that movie's absolutely that's a hidden gem. Um, yeah, thing. But yeah, you know, I like the the Tilly sisters, and they're just both incredibly hot, and they age well. Now, you know, seeing them in Chucky. Right. And yeah, I just, I like the vibe of this movie. It feels like if the Joker wasn't bat involved in Batman and he wasn't the Joker. Like, <laughs> I feel like this before the oil spill. I mean, not the oil spill, the chemical. This, this is what, this is what Jack Napier was up to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for yeah, sure. Gotcha. You know, if he was a good guy. And yeah. I, I don't know, man. I just really like the vibe of this film. I really enjoyed yeah, it. it. It's it's really laid back, which is kind of a deterrent in a way. But at the same time, like Nicholson's taking his time and letting things breathe. Sometimes a little too much. Yeah. But <laughs> there there were a few times where I was like, okay, come on, chop. We we could chop a, a couple minutes off of this scene. Um, but other than that, I. I like what he's doing here. I yeah. like where he's going and how this feels like kind of like a real level up for him as a director and hiring Vilmos Zygmunt to shoot the film doesn't hurt. No, I don't even know who that is, but it's shot incredibly. I'm, oh, I'm yeah. a real uh, big fan of the cinematography of this film. Yeah. So, I was a fan of the score. Yeah. Oh honest. yeah. The score's great. Uh, if you want to check out some good, Vilmo Shigmond. Uh he shot Spielberg's first film, The Sugarland Express, which is astounding. Like how that's somebody's first film as a director is <laughs> wild. 
Uh, he, he shoots close encounters of the third kind. Oh, okay. Uh, he shot the deer hunter, which, you know, I, I'm a big fan of. He shot, right. uh, Brian De Palma's blowout. So, you know, De Palma's also using yeah, him. Right. Yep. Uh, which is the Eastwick, the George Miller film, uh, uh, this, the same year he does Bonfire of the Vanities, which is another yeah, know that is. big flop for him. Um, you know, not his fault, but uh, he shoots the, the Richard Donner film Maverick. Oh, he also shot The Witches of Eastwick? Yeah. And and your favorite assassins? That's not to be confused with the, <laughs> the Broadway assassins. That's right. Um, yeah, anyway, he's, he's, he's an incredible cinematographer. And uh, yeah, uh, Jack... Jack getting up for this film is definitely a big up in this film's favor. One thing I love, I love condescending Jack Nicholson. And when he's condescending Jack Nicholson, when he just shits on you in the middle of the conversation and you don't do anything about it because he's fucking Jack Nicholson. And right. I fucking love it. You know, when, he, when the guy's got, when the guy, we're five minutes into the film, they already say the, the title of the film in the film. And I'm like, fuck yeah. That's always, hey, we're the two Jakes. Yeah. And, and, and Jack Nicholson is just like, yeah, the two Jakes, you know, he don't give a fuck. <laughs> you know, that shit is not humorous to him. He don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> the two Jakes, you're real fucking funny guy. You know, I just love condescending Jack Nicholson. And this is the Jack Nicholson that I love. I don't know a lot of his early stuff, but from what I've seen, he wasn't this actor yet, you know, from what we see in the 60s, as far as from what I've seen. Uh, you should you should get on his 70s output more. Like, I know, you know, we did Going South, but stuff like The Last Detail and uh -huh. him in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, his performance. Well, I was going to say, yeah. But I always forget that that's a 70s film, to be honest with you, because it just I mean, doesn't seem like it was that it long ago. But then you're yeah. like, damn. It's a 50 year old movie. <laughs> yeah, 1975. Like, God damn it. He's so good in it. But, um, yeah, no, this is just, you know, just the year earlier, as you said, he's, he's, he's fucking Joker and Batman. And mm -hmm. I, I go see that film and it changes my entire life. And then he, he does this and this is just like firmly Jack in his essence. Like, oh yeah. Elder. Jack, the elder statesman of Hollywood, who who's already two Academy Awards in and has another one to go. And yeah, he's everything. <laughs> Everywhere, all at once. All at once. And and it's unfortunate because I would have liked to see where he went from here as a director, but he works out the smartest deal in the history of Hollywood, takes points off the back end on Batman and is set for life. And doesn't have to work anymore, but continues to until he's just like, you know what? I'm just going to go to Lakers games and hang out and live on my Batman money. Well, dude, you know, what's crazy is that imagine if he wanted to do, if he just wanted to not act anymore, I'm set for life. We don't, we don't get a few good men. Like mm -hmm. that movie is not what that movie is no. without Jack Nicholson. And I mean, don't get that. We don't get his performance in as good as it gets. We don't get about Schmidt. Like these are some of my favorite performances of his. Like, dude, honestly, and I, I love anger management. Say what anybody wants to say. Him and Adam Sandler together. I, I wish I could have seen just one more film with those two because they. It's not often that somebody 
is co-starring alongside Adam Sandler, and the ridiculousness level is at his level. And I would argue Jack might be over Adam Sandler's ridiculous and, level in that movie. And and that's his, you know, and that's where his character is in that. Like when Adam Sandler's playing the straight man in, mm-hmm. in a fucking comedy, you you know that your game for whatever the fuck is going on because Nicholson in that film is incredible. As a viewer, you watch it and would go, if this guy was doing this to me, I would have fucking blown a gasket on this guy. <laughs> and again, that's that condescending Jack Nicholson that I just love so much about him. Yeah. And I'm so glad that we got it in this film. And I'm a fan of like the old kind of time. This has that old timey, um, what are those called? Like PI type of movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the a film noir. I believe this is very specific called neo noir. Yeah, well, yeah. No, I really, really like this movie. You you should really check out Chinatown. I oh, like, I'm sure it's it's fantastic. The I mean, because I do. You know, as much as we talk about Roman Polinski and all those other things that we had the conversation of. The dude's just got some incredible fucking work. So I'm I'm not hard pressed to believe that that film also isn't incredible. Yeah, and uh, Faye Dunaway's incredible in that. John Huston as her father, just one of the most despicable characters that was ever on screen. It's it's so good. It's such a great film. Also, I like that uh, we double dip on James Hong this week between everything, everywhere, and this. Oh yeah, I (laughs) I thought about that too when I was watching, and I was like, I don't get to see a lot of stuff where he looks. I mean, he's still middle aged, you know, but he looks a lot younger. Yeah, for sure. He's already. He's got to be in his fifties. I was gonna say he was born in like nineteen twenty-seven. Oh, because I think he's in his nineties now. Yeah. So easily eighties, maybe nineties now. Oh, sorry, 1929. I'm looking, and yeah, he's 94 now. He was born in 1929. So he would have been like 60 when this movie was shot. And the fact that we're like, yeah, he looks so much younger. Yeah. <laughs> he's still 60. <laughs> but you say that about Jack Nicholson, too, because one of Jack Nicholson being his 50s in this film. Yeah. You know? And, you know, we forget Jack Nicholson is 84, 85. And it's because we don't see him that much. In, yeah. Like, I don't really know what jack nicholson looks like these days yeah that is true that is true plus what i just always imagine jack nicholson from the early 2000s at lakers games like that's the vision of jack nicholson i have in my head regardless so if i saw him now i would just be like there's no fucking way that's jack nicholson (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) yeah no i i I like where this film goes i like that uh you know, Chinatown's all about like water rights and whatnot. And this is about oil and Mm -hmm. in the Valley. And it's, it's incredible. Like the weird sordid history of LA that these films have just dug up and are bringing to light and, you know, trying to keep into trying to keep in the public consciousness. Yeah. I really don't have much, much else to really say about this film. I really would have liked to get, Zach's perspective. I don't even know if he watched it this week. I'm gonna. I'm gonna assume no. Probably not. Um, 
but I'm definitely interested to see how he feels about this film because I feel like he's going to enjoy it. So that'll be interesting to kind of see. And I also like that we get a Harvey Keitel film that's not Scorsese. Have, oh, okay. So is this our first Harvey film that Scorsese didn't direct yeah. on this podcast? Yeah. And wow. apparently, okay. apparently Nicholson put him in the role and Paramount tried to tried to get Harvey Keitel ousted. And Nicholson's like, no, fuck you. Hold on, why? Just because he wasn't he wasn't drawing at this point. Like, you know, we think of Harvey Keitel as again another elder statesman of cinema. And like a lot of people forget that he wasn't doing a ton of big stuff around this time. Like this is probably the biggest thing he does until Reservoir Dogs comes out. I was going to say that maybe this is what kind of resurrected that a little bit. Cause you got Thelma and Luis. Mm-hmm. Um, I know y'all didn't like Bugsy, right? No, it's not great. But still some uh, popular film, you know, for that time, Reservoir Dogs, Dudes and Sister Act, The Piano, incredible film, Pulp Fiction. So yeah, I was like, what a what a fucking resurrection that he has very, very shortly after. Yeah. Because I still think he's fucking god-awful as Judas in Last Temptation of Christ. <laughs> he's god-awful in that film. Yeah, and I think if this movie went to bomb so badly, like maybe this would be considered the the restart of his career. Uh-huh, but most people right. point most people point to Reservoir Dogs a couple of years right. later. Even though I do think he's good in Thelma and Louise, and I'm a really yeah. big fan of that film. Yeah, that's a, that's a great film, and it's a good performance. But like, it's it's not the film isn't sold in on Harvey Keitel. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. He's in it. He's good in it. But you know. It, they're not giving him the credit for it being a hit and an Oscar nominee. And wow, this is crazy. He came out with two movies two years ago and I didn't even know about it. Oh yeah. I've never even heard blood on the crown and landscape. Well now, now three years, you know, we're in 2023, but yeah, I've never even heard of those films. So, Oh, Lansky, Lansky, the one about Meyer Lansky. Yeah. I don't know who that a gangster, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, Sam Worthington is in it. Interesting. I like Sam Worthington. I know Terminator Salvation did it and Clash of the Titans did it too. Did it take his career off like he wanted to, but I enjoy him and you know the Avatar movies. So But yeah, uh this is a good note to end. I'm glad that we can end our Jack Nicholson films on a positive for me because it was not looking good. <laughs> it's not looking good. I I find his filmography more intriguing than I do particularly good but i'm i'm overall positive on the themes that he was trying to convey versus how well he conveyed them and i'm gonna assume this is the last movie he directed because none of them did well probably also also if you don't have to do that much work on it like on something why why put in all that effort (laughs) plus batman money just just (laughs) coast on that batman money And, 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 you know, and that's, that's exactly where it goes. Like he just seems to get a little pickier about his roles after this and, and doesn't, doesn't direct again, which again, I think is a a big shame just because I I think he, he does step up with this film and it would have been nice to see what he had to say and where he wanted to go after that. But Batman money. And, you know. Maybe he didn't enjoy it. Maybe not. You know, I mean, maybe there was too much bullshit. You know, we always hear about bullshit that directors have to deal with with the studios. Mm-hmm. Maybe he was just like, dude, I got a ton of money. I'm just going to act 
and not have to deal with the behind the scenes BS. Yeah, the the fact that it's 12 years between directing projects mm-hmm. probably says a lot about where he was on that. It's like, eh, you know what? Uh, I'll just be in a bunch of shit and not have to worry about it. And this seems more like a passion project because, you know, t- <laughs> Chinatown's so good. Why why wouldn't you want to go back to that? Also, Jack Nicholson hasn't been in a film in 13 years, and that just blew my mind just now. Yeah, and the last one he's in is a James L. Brooks film called How Do You Know or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And I like it's 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 like three years since he did a film yeah, before bucket, that. I think bucket, bucket, bucket list. Yeah, it's a bad film. Uh I haven't seen How Do You Know, but it it felt like one of those film roles he took because Hey, uh, Jack Nicholson, you, you know, we're, we're really good friends. You were in a couple of my, my movies and I got you two Academy Awards. Can you come be in this movie for me? Well, and I also think he really enjoys romantic comedies and look, you got Reese Witherspoon, Owen Wilson, Paul Rudd. Maybe he's looking at it like this is fun. I mean, now it, it bombs. It was a $120 million movie and didn't even make 50. So it yeah. super bombs, but Maybe he had a great time. Catherine Hans in it, so maybe he just had a great time. I mean, like I said, you know, on it. It, it James L. Brooks. He does terms of endearment with him. He does broadcast news with him. He does uh, as good as it gets with huh. him. Like, and I just read that Bill Murray was actually the first pick for his character, and Bill Murray dropped out, and they asked Jack to do it. Yeah, and it was probably like a last minute thing, and. James L. Brooks knows he can count on Jack, and Jack comes in. And... Well, now we know why the budget was one twenty. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> he ain't he ain't paying Jack less than twenty. <laughs> oh. He's like, I know I got Batman money, but you're giving me my quote. All right then. All right. <laughs> well, where's the judgments? Here we go. <laughs> where's the judgments? Here we go. This is at the top for me for Jack. Um, I I ranked it three stars. I really enjoyed this film. A lot of things, like you said, I don't think Jack knows when to cut a scene. His editing's just not good in any of his films. So yeah. that's just kind of that. And um, but overall, I really enjoy the theme of it. And this was a highlight to end on for me. So what, uh, are, you, what are you feeling? What are you feeling? I, I think this is going to the top for me. Again, I, I, I'm a little more positive on the filmography, but uh, I, I feel like, again, I'm I'm not going to revisit probably any of these films. <laughs> uh, just just mostly because I have way too many other things to watch. Right. And, and I like them mostly, but again, it's all about theming for me, and I, I think he's playing with really interesting ideas. This one, he's he's going big. Uh, um, eh, yeah, I, I think it could probably be about 15 minutes shorter and, and just be a tighter film. Okay. But yeah, this is this is definitely going to the top for me as well. Now we're going to call. Now we're going to do social medias. <laughs> so where can people find you? That's right. You can find me on the Critiker at Zet Now. Uh, you can find <laughs> me on the Instagram at uh, ZK Audio, where I'm also on the Twitter and the TikToks. At T-R-A-V-I-O-S-C-K, where I'm also on Letterboxd, ranking and rating my daily movie watches. And, you know, we brought up The Godfather. I watched Jack this week. I understand 
at the time when this man does Bram Stoker's Dracula and then his next film is Jack. I could understand where people would be like, whoa, what is happening here? The fuck is happening? But Jack's just, I don't understand how people can watch Jack and say, I like this. It made me feel good. Uh, put all the other shit aside. That's a fucking awesome movie. Robin Williams is great. So many great scenes in that film. And it's, it's a staple for my childhood. And of course, the weirdest coming of age film that might have been ever made. Jack. Probably. <laughs> uh, you can follow me at Shark Dressman on TikTok, where Joseph Tappy and I are covering all sorts of shark related content. You can follow me at Father of Fear across Twitter and Letterboxd, where I'm keeping a running tally of all the films that I watch. And I went and saw Scream 6. This oh week. my God, why didn't I bring that up? Okay, cool. Well, I'm let's talk about it real quick because we got a couple minutes left here. Uh, Scream 6 rules. Rules. It's so fucking good. I just don't understand how this franchise continues to be on top of its game like this. <laughs> and we don't get to talk a lot about horror IPs on here. And mm -hmm. let me just go ahead and say that if Scream wasn't as iconic as Scream is, I'm going to say something maybe controversial. Sure. I think Scream 4 is the best Scream movie. Oh, that's that is controversial. Because that movie is fucking incredible, especially considering Scream 3 came out in 2001, mm -hmm. and that comes out in 2011. Yep. So 10-year gap, and he's ahead of his time with vlogging and all these things that are now prevalent and what people do on a day-to-day -day basis. That's why Wes Craven is the fucking master of horror. Two so horror icons this man's created. Two. Yeah. The, the fact that, that you usually get like a Mount Rushmore and a lot of people would put those two on them. It's just incredible. Like, yeah. and, and the fact that the fact that somebody else can come in and pick up where he left off and it, and it feels like a complete thought too. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah. Uh, and, and I wish Nev Campbell could, would have gotten paid what she deserved on this one, but I don't think they just kind of wrote her out, but be like, she took the family. She ran. She didn't want to get stabbed again. Well, and I like that they did that and, you know, they still kind of pay tribute to her character a little bit and yeah. leave it open for negotiations to come back yeah. on the next film. But again, the opening scene, Samara weaving. I love that they went back to bring it in their girl from ready or not that put yeah. them on the map and paying that homage. And I'm going to tell you when and this is spoiler, I'm just letting people know, fuck it. I'm going to say it when they spoiler. murder her and they take off the mask and they show the killer. I thought, Oh, we're going in a different direction with this one. And you know, obviously what happens happens. And I didn't Don't see that coming it. either. God, it's so good. Fuck, I can't wait to see it again. Yeah. God, I can't wait to see it again. I also, I also like uh, uh, Samara Weaving's character from Ready or Not, like sneaking around in the background. At least someone like dresses her for Halloween. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Uh, in the in the um, in the scene where they're going down into the subway, you uh -huh. can see you can see her like walking around in the <sighs> background. It's so good. That is good. Yeah, I, I didn't even notice that. That's awesome. 
Yeah, uh, these guys know how to keep a fucking IP going and keep it fresh every time. And Kirby was absolutely incredible in this film, too. Absolutely. All right. We got to do these sign offs before Zoom kicks us off. So, uh, Trap, thanks for producing the podcast. Chad Ramsey, thanks for a song. Megan and J. Bellevue, thanks for art. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at OscorsyPod and on Facebook at the Oscorsy Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Leave a nice five star review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. It really helps us be seen in the almighty algorithm. What are we watching next week, Trap? Oh my God. What are we watching next week? We are watching. We're taking a little bit of a turn next week. We are watching Halle Berry's Bruce. I don't know where you can find it. I'm not Zach McCoy, damn it. He's out west. Uh, Google it. Google it. Google uh, it. Go, go to Just Watch. Go to Just Watch and find out. Halle Berry bruised. We will be prepared next week. So, will we? for who knows, for Trav and Zach, who is out wandering the wilderness, we would like for you all to have a damn fine day.